Hello, uh, we're here with Cavita's Director of Innovation, Alan Linter. Alan, hello. Hello. And Customer Experience uh, Innovation Principal, James Brooks. Good James, morning. Good morning. Um, it's great to have the two of you here uh, to talk about the future of technology. Lots of exciting revolutions happening at the moment. Lots of ways in which Capita can make them work to improve customer experience for our customers. Uh, it's also perfect timing because um, we've just had CES, which is the global stage of innovation at Las Vegas. You look remarkably fresh, considering you just stepped off the plane from Las Vegas. Uh, what did it tell you about where we're going as technological consumers? What's in store for us? Uh, should we be excited, baffled, nervous? Um, where do you think it's going? Um, I think the, the observations um, in terms of it is that the onset of technology is huge, I think, in terms of potentially the expenditure consumers are going to have to make to bring new technology into their house, which is, which is a challenge in itself, I think. Um, and there's an interesting challenge between that consumerism of upgrading things and moving to a new digital... Um, uh, and the buzzword was the intelligence of things, not internet of things at the, um, at the conference um, world. And actually being having a social conscience about recyclability and a, and a cyclical yeah. economy. So um, there's some interesting trade-offs there for consumers to have in their mind about actually some great new functionality and assets and um, digital innovations coming down the pipe in terms of um, particularly smart home in terms of a huge presence there. But at the same time, there was quite a big thing um, about having a social conscience and the, um, the carbon footprint of the Big changes for us, do you think? I mean, can you really see revolutions in the next five years or so? I, th I think certainly, I think there's some really good technology there that some of it, whether it was quite right for everybody, I think mm -hmm. some of the stuff in smart homes, certainly I think some of the answers it can bring to the problems of an ageing population was certainly pushed home, I think. Um, it was a big... Um, health and well-being was a really big focus. I think um, the notion, and maybe a step away from previous years when it's been a view of um, because we can type technology, yeah. and that doesn't necessarily mean because you could, but um, another phrase was, you know, people really focus on applied technology, not just smart things that were AI or yeah. driven by AI or technology, but actually solving a problem. And one of those big problems I think the, the world is facing is um, uh, an ageing population, um, you know, um, problems like dementia and Alzheimer's, you know, growing exponentially potentially because of that. And then the challenges of keeping people living independently longer. Um, so that was one of the positive sides of the use of technology I think that took out that will be, I think, really beneficial in society and solve a real problem that all modern and, um, you know, economies are facing yeah. in terms of, you know, on the back of the baby boomers, a big glut in um, extended living and a need how do you cope with that. So um, whether that's preventative or predictive AI in the world of medicine, was really exciting, but also in terms of smart home and the technology there to be able to um, look for patterns and keep people independent longer was um, was really interesting. It's a show which is sort of famous for being outrageous and daft as much as it is revolutionary. There's some great tech and there's some stuff where you think, how on earth did they ever come up with ideas like that and how is it ever going to work? I mean, James, did you see anything like that? Because I know you keep a close eye on this, so did you see any advances where you think, yeah, that's really going to work, and others where you thought, no, not a chance? Well, we see a lot of that stuff. I think autonomous vehicles is probably the one where we see the most outlandish stuff. So some of the concept cars and designs that come out there. So we saw a lot of things which, a lot of wood uh, in the design of the <laughs> interiors, for example. So the car itself is designed to be essentially like a, li uh, like a living room. And this idea that it's completely autonomous and give you about that leisure time. And I think that's one of the things that we talked about last year, is that time is a new currency. 
And so increasing the leisure time of, for people by having all this kind of smart and connected uh, devices taking away some of the tasks that you don't necessarily want to do because it's learning about you and the things that you have to do on your, in, in your daily routines. It kind of does it for you now. So um, I think some of that will come. There's a big sort of reliance on, on 5G and how good is that going to be. If it's going to be yeah. as good as everyone says, it is a lot of hype around that at the moment. So that'll be interesting. Um, we saw Uber's uh, kind of air taxi as well. So that was their last year. We saw it again this year. So they're still talking about that. You're going to see it for year after year after year until it eventually flies. I think so, yeah. I mean, it's absolutely huge and it's not really too discernible from an actual helicopter itself, apart from the fact that, you know, it's it's using um, kind of uh, electric, isn't it, rather than obviously fuel. So It's huge, you know, the the view that there's 5,000 exhibits in terms of the technology, weeding through what I think is relevant for customer management in particular and and working out. We probably came back with um, a dozen people that we thought, that's going to make a difference and we can work with those people or that type of technology uh, and weave it into um, the customer experience. Or customer yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Because <coughs> yeah. you look at it with your customer experience eyes uh, and look for technology that can make a real difference in that area. And quite often that's tucked away in a little corner somewhere on a little booth which isn't getting a great deal of attention. So did you see things there where you thought, yeah, a customer experience, this could really make a difference? Yeah, I think the couple of things we saw uh, were really interested us. Um, and it was quite a theme, actually. So translation, so this mm-hmm. world of bring, making the world a smaller place uh, from that point of view is really interesting from the handheld devices that's translated. Um, but one of the challenges we think sometimes having contact centres is dealing with um, multilingual environments. Um, and it's pretty straightforward when you're dealing with text. But um, we, we, we found somebody we're really excited about. We've got an SDK. Um, we had quite a long conversation with them. They, they develop the ability to translate um, conversations in real time mm. um, between and from 137 different languages, which can be used in a contact centre. So the notion that irrespective of what language you're contacting somebody in, um, that person can hear that, that host language in their langu- host language and answer in their host language, and yet the contactor or the customer would hear in the language that they contacted in um, is a real challenge that we've faced, um, yeah. you know, how you deal with that. So... That, you know, if we can make that work and that technology as good as we think it is from the conversations, um, we, uh, you know, that'll be really exciting for us. Uh, James, I know you've always been interested in <coughs> sort of how AI can support uh, agents themselves in terms of helping them, <coughs> excuse me, helping them with the screens and prompting them material. Did you see stuff there then? We did, yeah. So this concept of the keyboardless agent. So we went, yeah. um, we went and we saw a couple of things which were interesting. So we saw uh, kind of mind control for the first time. Seriously? Seriously, mind control, yeah. So they had That's a co- not mind control of people. That's mind not control of, people, of devices. That's stuff, yeah. So we saw uh, a couple of applications of that. So one was using uh, or controlling a prosthetic limb, so being able to control his, uh, his hand, essentially, so oh. control fingers and touch and feel, um, which was good. But the second one was uh, actually controlling a scale electric, which had kind of people from the audience being able to take part and actually see it work. And it was interesting to see kind of how it made that work. So it's more about it picking up the brainwaves around kind of concentration and focus to make something work. And there's two kind of ways that that, that, that uh, happens. So one, you could you know, physically look at the camera and say, kind of move and try to make it move. But it's more that it's the, it's the idea of being able to focus on something to make uh, those brainwaves happen for something to, to take place after that. So they were saying Did that... Did you, you try you, it at all? We didn't get to try it, but we <coughs> saw people doing it. Um, and basically they were saying, if you can just read this and concentrate on reading out a script, for example, that will make the cargo and we saw that happen live so that was pretty interesting but in addition to that and probably more realistic for for us was we saw some eye tracking software which where you can kind of yeah. calibrate your eyes on the screen and it follows your eyes and then you can make by just looking at the screen very accurately stuff happen 
So the, the application that we saw was a game, essentially you kind of shot down asteroids by just looking at them like this. Yeah. You don't have to move your head, but you know, to, to make the points. Um, and being able to maybe have that on your desktop, you could just look at a menu, you know, hit yes, hit no, hit another action, essentially doing kind of button presses just using your eyes. So I think that kind of speaks to the keyboard this Asian, but also um, for people with disabilities and makes it much more inclusive in that sense, I think. Yeah, I think it's interesting that a couple of the recent developments have come from, from that medical sphere. It's obviously been yeah. developed for um, people maybe with things like Lotsin syndrome or uh, uh, motor neuron disease that are unable to communicate easily and be able to do that easily through eye movements. But they're now seeing more practical uses of it. Um, so um, it's so how do you see that used in the contact centre? Is that agents just looking at screens to well, call up answers to inquiries and things? Well, you know, we're really excited about the idea of maybe putting it in lab environments to um, firstly to track usability of systems which is, which, is, which is interesting in itself you know big complex systems how usable and how easy to find the information for agents um, but secondly the, the potential to be something where they can drive with just their eyes by yeah. looking at something you make something happen um, it might be a bit scary and a bit futuristic and uh, but I think there could be some use of that in terms of looking at things and, 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 um, and it's exciting you know a few of the things have come from that sphere so I think we're starting to see a lot of um, cross interpolation or cross fertilization of technologies now. The, the interesting thing about some of the bigger brands is that everybody's trying to do everything. Yeah. So everybody, every technology company is a car manufacturer now in the world of smart cars. Uh, you know, so Samsung have cars now, and brands that we've never heard of have cars in terms of home electronic brands. So, um, um, so that should lead to more innovation, hopefully, in terms of more challenging. And I think. Our challenge in all that is to pick the usability out and potentially find an alternate use for some technology that's been designed for something else. What about voice control? Because only a few years ago that was almost futuristic and fantasy. Now it seems to be absolutely everything. Did you see loads of examples of that around? And, and again, any that really impressed you thinking, oh, that's new and different, I could see that being... Google were interesting in terms of voice. They're, they're interesting in terms of our takeout was, um, you know, Amazon... Uh, very heavily invested in that ring world and connected home world, but they were um, Google very much trying to set themselves up. It felt like it's the front door. So um, um, as they work with anything and everyone, as opposed to saying, well, you've got to have an Amazon doorbell for to use the Alexa or whatever. Whereas Google, interestingly, were pretty much at every stand. When Google was integrated, there were Google reps at the stand, yep. which yeah, was really yeah. interesting. So taking it seriously, yeah. taking it seriously yeah. in terms of. Establishing them the way the way in, I think, and um, yeah, we went on the. You know, Amazon had a smallish stand, really, didn't they? Whereas Google had quite a big footprint out in the um, in, in the car park and had a whole smart home built and connected, trying to demonstrate it. Um, the key message of that is that voice is definitely here to stay, um, and obviously we've dabbled with Alexa skills in the past, and perhaps we should start to look at doing some some Google stuff, but it's. You know, voice is going to be here for a long time now, uh, and it's going to be a channel. And can we interact or can we put our services into the likes of Alexa and Google to kind of say, how do we interact with the contact center that way? So yeah, well, anything which, <coughs> which inspired you in that way, which made you think, yeah, we could use this for this client or we could use it in that technique. And so well, I think just reaching out, I think we have this idea that the, the contact center will become one way. It won't be an inbound and an outbound contact center, it'll be all outbound because the customer will just say, Alexa, tell Debenhams to call me now, for example. Yeah. Um, so, why queue anyone? Debenhams will just, you know, Alexa will take over a book an appointment to call you back at the time that you want to speak to, to someone. It'll figure out who you want to talk to, why you want to talk to them, um, and when that person's available, and then make, make the call when it's, when it's time. And yeah. is that ready now? I mean, is that technology around now? It just needs a few yeah, tweaks. Yeah, we, we, um, 
we've built it. It's live for us. We've yeah. built we've built the first minimal via products of that. It's live. It's we've got that live in the um, in the Alexa store as a skill to deploy now. I think um, it'll only get bigger. We need to think about actually there's multiple ways into that. To, to your point that yeah, Google is is pushing hard into that space to be the front door into um, that Internet of Things world. I think the other thing that obviously opens up for us from customer management is uh, and you know, working with our clients is the consideration about technical support. I think yeah. um, obviously um, in a perfect world all these things will work, but the um, the need for multiple brands maybe to relate and link together and talk together leads a potentially a black hole in technical support for us to think how we establish some effective services for our clients and work to use that technology uh, and understand that technology and what might fall out the end of it in terms of supporting customers using it is a big space for us, I think. Yeah. Well, that black hole question is an interesting one. When you looked around did you, uh, this year's show, did you think, actually, there's some stuff missing here? I'm not seeing people do this or I'm not seeing people do that. Or there are good opportunities for us maybe here to fill in some of those gaps. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, one of the biggest sort of wow factors um, was about personalization. Um, so Delta keynote, went to, we went to the Delta Airways keynote speech. Um, but the sort of wow moment from their bit, and there was a massive cue to see it, was um, something that they'd launched as parallel reality, which was quite something. Um, so we've all heard of virtual reality or augmented reality. Um, this was the ability for 100 people to be looking at the same screen and all see a personalized message without any glasses, without any phone augmentation or anything. Um, it was quite something in terms of the way it works. We did break it. We did break <laughs> it. We did break it. Congratulations. We, we stuck too close it's together, you apparently. And, um, yep. you know, we're always been very close. But, um, uh, but it was quite something. So we've got some really interesting you know, videos and content of that happening. But um, that was quite wild. And that was a notion of you could move through an airport and see an entirely person. Every screen you looked at was only for you. And was relevant to your flight and your you as a person and what you might be interested in, um, and it was it was quite. So simple. that was literally as you walked past the screen, it yeah. would adjust to you, and just as the next you. person walked past, it would adjust to them. Yeah, exactly. So, so you've got a camera, which essentially, when you kind of opt into it, it takes uh, an image of your shape, and everyone's obviously got a unique shape. So it's not doing facial recognition; it's right. it's kind of uh, impersonal in that sense, but it's taking your shape. And then as you move around the airport, the cameras are picking you up, and the screen knows exactly what direction to kind of position its message to you at. So yeah, every screen that you look at will just have yeah. your information on it. So effectively, the pixels that are created in these screens are not high definition, but they are. There's ten facets, horizontally and vertical, to every pixel. So depending on the exact height you're at and the and the, um, the angle you're at, it can pres present a hundred independent screen images at mm. once. Really impressive. They talked about some seamless flows and the view that they could you know deliver it in your home language, even if you landed in. Tokyo, you know, all the signs would be in English for me and tell me exactly where I'm going and what I need to do and the directions. Um, our return flight back, I did point out, but as much as taking maybe some of the pain out, it's pretty straightforward. We're all pretty well educated to find our way mm. around airports. They're all pretty much look the same, those yellow signs and everything else. It doesn't solve the issue about security and it doesn't solve the issue about people taking too much carry on them, mm. which causes a massive scrum of everybody yeah. hovering around and then and we feel very... We have to check our bags, even though we had to carry on. And they yeah. had one bag each, not that we're bitter. <laughs> so there's some, there's some um, really clever stuff, but there's some bigger problems still in terms of that customer experience to solve. Yeah. Um, so the personalization was amazing, and it was a really clever piece of kit and delta of co-investing this startup. Um, so what ideas could you, I mean, did it make you think about for retail then? 
So that, that again, that personalised experience and be able to push the relevant thing or the things that we think individual shoppers are interested in. Yeah. You know, be able to market the right products to the right person at the right time. Um, and again, you know, it's, it goes back to the kind of the Boostify and the the kind of personalised experience that we want to do online. Um, and it is serving the, serving the customer with the right stuff at the right time um, as they move around the store. You know, and you can obviously gauge with the with the other technology which is available as to whether they're having a good experience or a bad experience based on their kind of the sentiment and the the way that their body uh, reactions are and their facial expressions towards certain uh, displays and things. And if you think you're losing the customer, you can push an offer to stay. Yeah. You know, go to the cafe. Here's yeah. a voucher for that kind of thing. So yeah, and in the combination of that with some of the stuff we've we've played with as well in terms of uh, facial recognition and sentiment and emotion. Yeah. The good news is I've moved from last year when I was in front of the screens being sad and depressed. I'm now just angry <laughs> when I'm in front of them, apparently. But um, so I've, I've moved on a, a stage in... Can't wait till next year, really. Exactly yeah. what would have been maybe next time looking at it. But um, the combination of being able to tech people, understand, you know, they were pretty accurate guessing ages, weren't they? Yeah, so it looks at you, it tells yeah. you, you know, if it detects if you're male and female, uh, it gives you an age, age range or an age banding. So uh, it got mine pretty much spot on. Yeah. Um, and then gives a sentiment based on your facial expression. So angry man here. And I think I was generally happy. So. Well, I said you were sort of <laughs> neutral a lot of the time. But, um, but the combination of that, being able to identify either somebody who's a person through the things, you know, the Delta type um, parallel reality experience or actually where somebody is in their emotions, a combination of those two things give you that ability potential for hyper-personalization. And I think that's what retail is going to need to reinvent itself in the high street. It's going to have to be different than it is today and, and, and think of it. So it's really exciting in terms of what that might mean. Um, um, and in terms of pushing retail, I think, um, rejuvenate, there was a lot of smart mirrors there. Mm-hmm. So um, that went through Samsung as well. Um, who had the Were they working better than last year? Because I know they, yeah. they've been around yeah. for a while. So we, saw, we saw a couple of versions, and it's interesting to see some companies are doing kind of taking your actual image, yeah. um, and some are doing uh, an avatar of you. Um, and I think both had kind of mixed mixed ways of working uh, and successes. But I think the most impressive one was the LG one, which took a full picture and full image of your entire body. Um, it put it as user as as it took the picture, but it did all your measurements at the same time. Um, and then you could pick items of clothing that you could put on yourself. You could turn yourself within the mirror, and it would yeah. you know Follow keep you, the yeah. But yeah. you could also change the size that you were wearing. So obviously, it would know what size you should wear. But if you say, well, I want to wear a shorter leg, for example, you could put that in there, and it would show you what it would look like on you as yeah. with a shorter measurement. Show you Tight, so obviously they've got the same type of scanning for the garments as well. So it show where the tight spots in the garment would be, depending on the size you wore, right. where it would pull and where it would push. So I think you could argue that it could help reinvent retailing, but certainly internet shopping. Yeah, you know, that big problem that pretty much a third of everything that's bought is returned. Yeah. Um. So you know they could take a huge cost out of the supply chain of our, of our garments fitting accurately beforehand, um, and whether it would be just um, expedite that migration out of retail to say I do it all from home now because that's to try anything on would be or whether it'd enhance it. I suppose it's about the two um, the other big word was fidgetal. That it's combination fidgetal. of the physical experience and the digital yeah. experience together. So um, you know the you know the, the the image was to say that potentially retails might, you know, you would have body scanners located in different locations. And once you had a body scan that might be usable across all retailers. Yep. Um, to do that and have a virtual mirror at home that basically allows you to stand in front of your mirror at home, try on the clothes that A, you've already got and combine the, or new outfits or combine the two to say, you know, I'm thinking about this jacket, what it look like with a pair of trousers I've already got. So um, lots of people have a lot of fun with that. And uh, yeah. in terms of... Um, Did you find anything that particularly suited? Nothing would suit me. No. Nothing would <laughs> make me look good, unfortunately. <laughs> so, um, and finally, if you could have taken one gadget away to put in your own home, if you could sneak it in that one bag... 
you took back on the plane? <laughs> <laughs> what would it have been? Oh, I don't know. What's yours, favourite? I was really taken back by the, the eye tracking software just because it wasn't something we'd, we'd considered before. Um, and given how, how accurate it really was, I think that can make a big difference for us, uh, just, just in general. But um, I think we could integrate that quite, quite quickly and quite well. Yeah, I think uh, for me, um, given Capture's push of uh, an expansion, really, providing multilingual services as a service, I think um, the real-time speech translation um, stuff was really, really impressive. You slip that into really a Taking uh, it apart. A ver- a version of, exactly, a version oh. of that won the last gadget standing, didn't it? Yes, it did, yeah. Um, so it was hooked off, so that, that was really good. And uh, if I could have two, yeah. um, <laughs> there was another uh, really impressive bit of kit, which um, I think will revolutionise healthcare. Effectively, they created a device that put a doctor's tooling in the palm of your hand so you could self-examine. So it had the six major devices that a doctor uses from a stethoscope to a blood rate monitor to an ophthalmoscope to I'm not sure what it's called but it goes in your ear um, <laughs> all those things are in there and the ability to connect over 5G to a doctor anywhere so as much as you couldn't self-prescribe you could self-assess or evaluate and they could interpret the results that um, um, should have really won the best gadget because it's a thing that's going to change life and save world in the third world countries I suppose that, um, or the perfect Christmas present for hypochondriacs everywhere. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. There'll be a lot of um, digital doctor experiences and healthcare experiences going on. But um, those two, well, those two or three were the things that I think we brought, brought back that we were really impressed by. That's brilliant. Thanks very much, guys. Great Thank to you. talk to you. Thank you.